1: I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to Nationals this
0: year! Sorry, is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. I'm so high right now. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, yeah.
1: possible. Rainy days, Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. Especially when the season get hectic. I stay waiting on it like receiving
0: a Nets pick. Nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in-depth, you might even hear a story on Gigi. So in-depth, they might do an hour about the D-League. So in-depth, you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, John Carallus and Jay King locked on trying to get the 18th rank. So you can miss me with the blah blah, no more Gino time.
1: We watching Jay do the zaza. Bells,
0: Hey there and welcome back to the Locked On Celtics Podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. We are the Rain and Jays, John Carallus and Sam Jam Packard. Today, thanking you for making us part of your daily routine this is the Monday show and it's a Monday mailbag the Celtics in between the third and fourth games of this road trip coming off a 112-104 win against the Utah Jazz and considering how poorly this road trip started I'm impressed at where they are right now Sam
1: yeah, no, after that first game, I was shocked and not really looking forward to staying up late, but the two very impressive wins without Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder, uh, two great games. And I don't know what it is about the Jazz. The Celtics have played them really well both times they played this year, but I was not expecting them to come away with two victories, um, great comeback in Portland, and then just kind of beat the Jazz for 48 minutes last uh, Saturday night, which was it was impressive, so <laughs> The Celtics are in a good place. Normally, it's the, you expect them to struggle on a West Coast road trip like this, but uh, two wins so far and uh, a winnable game against uh, the Mavericks coming up.
0: Yeah, the Jazz thing is weird because the Jazz seem like a team that should give them a lot of problems, athletic, young, a lot of size. Uh, the Celtics uh, struggle against those those long, young, athletic teams, but here they are having swept the season series from them. They have an opportunity to beat the uh, Dallas Mavericks. And then I have a, a real weird feeling about that Philly game back home in between the the road games with the Dallas Mavericks and the Chicago Bulls. That first home game back from a West Coast trip. Uh, and that's that's post-All-Star game, right? Or am I, Those
1: games? No, that's next week. That, that's the final two games. Those are the, the final
0: Okay, right, 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 right. So that that makes it even worse because you got, you're going into the All-Star break. You've got a game against the Bulls on national TV. I think that Philly game is going to be really weird. I don't like that. But we're not getting into that. Today we're answering mailbag questions. We're getting into... The, the current roster, we're getting into draft picks because everybody's dying to know about the draft. We're getting into possible trades. We're getting into a lot of different things. So let's just dive into that. Let's start with the Utah Jazz game where <laughs> the, the topics on Twitter, I'm laughing already looking at the questions. At Dijon underscore Rondo, let's just start with this. Marcus Smart has the best – fuck you, this is my ball steals. (laughs) Let's just dive right into the questions with that one. He has a steal every game, it feels like, where a guy is just dribbling and he reaches in, he grabs it, and he rips the ball away and says, as at Dijon underscore Rondo says, fuck you, this is my ball, which is awesome.
1: Yeah, the best one about this was in reaction to uh, something I tweeted because in the jazz game he managed to do that and then immediately get kicked in the nuts. Um, And he did it all with in one fluid motion and still got the steal, which is kind of it's the kind of quintessential Marcus Smart. You got to take as much pain as possible um, when just doing something awesome and contributing to winning. And his performance over the past two games, especially in that Portland game, I know me and Jay talked about it. Kind of all the things he did to kind of contribute to winning, but. He was amazing, and his ability to create turnovers just based on, I don't know if it's quickness or strength or a combination of both, but on those FU steals are damn impressive. I feel like maybe the tide's starting to turn on his more national perception. Um, I know he didn't make like the ESPN top 25 under 25 list, but I saw during the Portland game um, Matt Moore tweeted that, maybe that uh, Marcus Smart is the the Celtics Draymond Green which I thought was a kind of a apt comparison of just kind of the guy who does the dirty work and then also um Kevin Pelton of ESPN was at that Portland game and he uh, was tweeting a bunch about kind of the how Marcus Smart was impacting winning so maybe Marcus Smart's reputation is uh, kind of going to finally extend outside just Boston for just how much he does Maybe not in the stat sheet, but how much he does just to kind of make sure his team wins the basketball game.
0: Yeah, I feel like Marcus Smart has had one hell of a road trip, and he's had this kind of game. And it's hard for me to to know exactly still at this point where Marcus Smart truly fits in the Celtics' future. Because on one hand, he's had a lot of success doing all of these little things where he's guarding anybody. And he's ripping the ball away from people and he's he's guarding Gordon Hayward or if he's guarding uh, a power forward somewhere or a point guard or somebody. He is a jack of all trades, but then he's also had a lot of success as the Celtics backup point guard. And I don't know, I honestly don't know with him whether it's better for him to be more focused or for him to be more freelance type of kind of do everything. But... I do know that Marcus Smart has had a hell of a road trip and a nice resurgence, and he had uh, a nice game against the Jazz where he did a little bit of everything, 10 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, uh, so uh, and 3 steals. Part of a bench mob that went nuts. They had contributions from everybody, James Young. L- let me just mention, by the way, the... Isaiah Thomas's son, the way he did James Young dirty, (laughs) was hilarious. If you didn't see it, I quoted it on RedsArmy.com, but Adam Abelsbach had the tweet. Isaiah Thomas was ripping off all of the guys on the bench who had great games. He's like, yeah, Rozier, Olenek, Green, James Young. And Isaiah Thomas' son said, who's James Young? (laughs) Which is... How do you recover from that? A little kid's so was like, "Who's this guy? What are you talking about? I've never heard of him." It's hilarious, and it's especially just like the cutest little kid ever. And he, there's
1: no reason why he would have heard about James Young. It just shows that Isaiah Thomas spends zero time talking about James Young because he hasn't really done anything <laughs> except for I feel I remember he had one good game against the Pacers, and then uh, that got hurt with a little hip thing, and uh, he needed to step up, and we got the best James Young game of the season.
0: Yeah, that was great. Uh, Kelly Olynyk, though, was the biggest uh, contributor off the bench. Nineteen points, seven rebounds, a couple of big defensive stands. I know you're a big fan of the positional defense. He had that oh, yeah. principle of verticality where uh, Rudy Gobert went up and he went straight up. And in a lot of instances, might might have been called for a foul, but he went straight up. Gobert was going into him, initiated the contact. They didn't call it. And great defensive play by Kelly Olynyk. So uh, Olynyk was a, a big reason why the Celtics were able to build a huge lead against the Utah Jazz. And this brings us into the current crop of Rain and Jays questions on Twitter with the hashtag Rain and Jays. No G. Rainin' Jays. And at Bo Brady's asks... Do you think that the Celtics should prioritize extending Kelly Olynyk, as he is an elite backup big man? Now, I'm not sold on the elite backup big man thing quite yet. But I think he has the skill set to be a, a very important kind of player in the NBA. But here's the problem. If the Celtics truly are going to pursue a max free agent. And if they're truly trying to pursue a guy that will take upwards of 30% of their cap this summer, then Kelly Olynyk needs to go away. They need to rescind his rights along with Amir Johnson going away and Jonas Jarebko and Tyler Zeller not picking up his option. They need Olynyk to go away. So if they prioritize Kelly Olynyk. And because he's a restricted free agent, if they prioritize him as somebody to resign, then we know that they're not going after or they don't feel like they can get a max free agent. So do I feel like they should prioritize that? Uh, No, I don't personally, because if with the caveat, that's in pursuit of a max free agent, and if they don't think they can sign that type of guy, then I will change my opinion and say, then they should bring him back. If they don't think they're going to need all that cap space to bring in a a, a max free agent, and if they have traded or done whatever, and he's still an option to re-sign. then yes, I would like to resign him because I think he can do a lot of positive things. And I, I think I'm more willing to accept some of his downfalls. And I think some of the, uh, uh, lack of aggression can be kind of worked out of him over the course of time.
1: You, you said all, basically everything, all the points I wanted to hit on, but the key word in the, in the question is prioritize. And by no means should they Prioritize Kelly Olynyk. There's there's a reason they've been building max cap space. clinic is not subject line number one uh, at all in the off season, but that doesn't mean I'm uh, like wouldn't be open if he were to Blake Griffin because he's a very very good functional role player. Uh, I don't think I think the the market has kind of come down a little bit from when the, everyone's getting those crazy contracts as much. Uh, people have much less uh, cap room, so. Bringing uh, Kelly Olynyk back on a, a team-friendly deal maybe is definitely something I'd be interested in because you're uh, he's quite valuable as we saw last night against the Jazz when he plays the the five uh, he was really able to neutralize Rudy Gobert because Gobert's the best when he's this rim protector but if he has to guard Olynyk all the way out to the three-point line then he's not uh, staying in the paint so. I'm a big fan of Kelly Olynyk, but prioritize is, a, is a, the operative word there, and it's not something I'm going to do if I'm Danny Age.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's not the top priority. I think what Danny Age is going to try to do is tender the qualifying offer and see how the restricted free agent market pans out. If somebody wants to come along and vastly overpay for Kelly Olynyk then they'll do what they did basically, not the exact same situation, but similar. They'll do what they did with Evan Turner and say, thank you very much for your service. We appreciate what you did for us. Go get overpaid somewhere else. But in reality, if they can get a Linux while achieving some of the other goals, and the other goals are the bigger priority – A guy like Alinek coming off of the bench, or maybe even starting at some point, his ability as a stretch five really opens things up, and to have him out there as a guy that you need to respect from three. Now, we can get caught up in the fact that he upfakes too much and whatever, and I certainly do sometimes, I will admit that, but... Even if he upfakes sometimes, that's because a guy is closing out on him, and when a guy is closing out on him, that means that space for somebody else. Now, he should take some of those shots that he doesn't take, and I think lately he's been more aggressive, but it still means he's a threat out there from three, and floor spacing is a premium at that position in today's NBA. So for him to be a threat at that position, at the five, that is something that is highly valued in today's NBA. And you can sit there and say, what if we overpaid him and he doesn't have that production, but him being on the floor and opening things up for a guy like Isaiah Thomas, that's worth the money. So with Linux it's going to be some of the stuff that's, not in the in the stat sheet, but I think we both agree that there are other things that we need to prioritize, and a Linux could be a thing, a guy that goes if we need to get other uh, higher priority players in to Boston. Okay, next we're going into some trade talk. Ryan Kennedy at keep at keeping up with K. Uh, the, what percent chance do you give the Celtics of standing pat at the trade deadline? I personally, I think it's a very high percentage that they stand pat at the trade deadline. I'm going to say it's about like 80% because I don't think the collective collective bargaining agreement is fully understood. And I think teams are going to kind of wait to see how this supermax thing kind of plays out. So uh, I, I think... Some of what the Celtics were hoping to do this summer might not be available.
1: Yeah, no, I would go even even higher than that. I think it's closer to 90%. I just don't see a deal that really makes a lot of sense for, for the Celtics because they want that max cap room, and they're going to have to do some – even if they stand pat, they're still going to have to do some tricky things to um, try and get to that seven- to nine-year uh, veteran – max level cap space so i just don't see them doing anything that's going to risk that and there's not a lot of players on the market save maybe Paul Millsap who i just don't think is going to be traded or Serge Ibaka who have those um kind of those one year deals and i just don't think Serge Ibaka he hasn't done anything in this first year in Orlando i just don't think he puts you over the edge so I think the Celtics are feeling pretty good about where they are right now. Um, They had a bunch of issues with with rebounding, and it seems like over the past 10 games they've been doing a much better job with that. Um, I imagine their defense is going to get a little bit better uh, when Avery Bradley returns, so I don't – I don't think there's that pressing need to go out and do anything. They're sitting pretty right now, with a two and a half games back of the, of the Cleveland Cavaliers, without a deal that really puts them over the edge of the Cavs. I don't see a reason to make a trade.
0: Right. So then the next question comes from at Max the Pimp with uh, number one for an eye. So uh, <laughs> Max <laughs> the Pimp, you know, good for you, Max. So is Thomas Butler? That's Jimmy Butler. Smart, Ibaka, and Horford good enough to win the title in 17 or 18 because that is gettable. So, I don't know if that is entirely gettable as Max believes because I think Chicago is really going to be asking for a lot with Jimmy Butler. And I think, look, they're going to be able to get rid of Rondo one way or the other His contract is sheddable. And they've got Dwayne Wade, who I think is understanding now more of his role. And they've got Butler, who is a superstar player. And I think Chicago might feel like they can kind of play those guys into something that will be uh, a team that you can build with. So to get Butler and blow it all up, I think you really have to wow Chicago. And I'm not sure Danny Ainge is going to try to wow Chicago with that. He'll ask, I'm sure. And he might be able to get a Baca. But we talked about a Baca on the last show, me and Jay King. Uh, getting a Baca there, Orlando is going to want a little bit more, just some some kind of sweetener type of deal. I don't think that Danny Ainge is looking to get any of those things. So two two answers to that question. One, I don't think that's as gettable as you think, Max. And two, I don't think that's necessarily a championship team. Isaiah Thomas, Jimmy Butler, Marcus Smart, Serge Ibaka, and Al Horford. That's that doesn't that doesn't do it for me. That doesn't get them past Cleveland. So two different reasons for me to say no to that no, entire I, it's, question.
1: It's, it's gettable. Yeah, it's, it's gettable if you want to unleash the entire war chest and like give up both Brooklyn picks and maybe some other future firsts and then some young players or maybe Avery Bradley. But it doesn't – like one, that lineup doesn't – I don't think that lineup makes you better than the Cavaliers or better than the Warriors this year. I just – and I am I guess you can say just absolutely going for it. But it just – it it feels like a, it would be pushing all your dips in the middle of the table for not necessarily the best hand. It just – I think it's a max to pimp. It's a – is coming up short on this one. I don't think it was the, it was the best idea.
0: Now, okay, so sorry, Max. I uh, just don't think that's going to be uh, the thing that happens. Okay, Mauricio Green at Mauricio Green BR. Who is the better fit for the Celtics, Gordon or Griffin? So, Gordon Hayward or Blake Griffin? I'll let you go, Sam.
1: A better fit? Um, that's a tough question because. If you put either of them into the lineup, it kind of immediately um, makes it so Al Horford's your starting center. And Al Horford's a me, always said that he'd rather play power forward. Um, we know he's not the best rim protector in the world. So it's basically you either have Blake Griffin as your power forward and Jay Crowder as your small forward or Hayward as your small forward and Crowder as, I guess, your starting power
0: forward. Well, let me interrupt you. I, are we assuming that this is via free agency or trade?
1: I was assuming free agency because I don't think that any trade is going to occur with those two teams both being in it right now. So okay, means-
0: I agree with that. I agree with that. Okay, continue. So, with that being said, it feels
1: like I think Gordon Hayward uh, is a, I don't know, fits a better question, is a hard question, but I just remember watching Blake Griffin again, that game in the garden, I think it was last weekend, and he just didn't look very healthy. So I'm kind of more concerned about Griffin's injury. And Gordon Hayward's a, a very good player. And in terms of working with what Brad Stevens wants to do, I feel like if you got him in here, it would, I guess – there's less room for just like a colossal injury ruining the trade. I feel like with Blake Griffin, you could bring him in. He may be kind of better and there may be higher potential, but I feel like it's less, it's more risky to bring in a guy like Blake Griffin than it would be uh, Gordon Hayward. So I would lean towards Gordon Hayward.
0: I would also lean towards Hayward as much as I like Blake Griffin. And I think Blake Griffin is very underrated. Generally, I agree about the injury issues and I think, pushing Al Horford, Griffin would definitely push Al Horford into the center spot, which I don't like. And that's something that I, I was on the uh, Comcast Sportsnet podcast uh, a couple days ago with uh, Kyle Draper and Sherrod Blakely, and we had this entire discussion. And I just think that Al Horford's lateral quickness is has been compromised at this point to a level where I don't think him in today's NBA, I don't think him at the five is going to be what we need. I like Al Horford as a four. I like what he's done with this this team. I think his impact has been amazing. I don't want to ruin that by putting him in a position where he's going to fail so much defensively. And I think putting him at the five, as this NBA progresses forward, I think putting him at the five against... Guys like Joel Embiid and Anthony Davis and Carl Anthony Towns? No, no, that's not – I don't want him there. So I'd rather find another option to to play that position. So I I think Gordon – now the question with Gordon Hayward, do you think he could play a big two guard or is he just going to be a three? Can you start Isaiah Thomas – Gordon Hayward, Jay Crowder, Al Horford, and some center. Hmm. Because he's six eight, and as a to? could could he guard? Could he guard that position?
1: I don't really think that Gordon Hayward can be as a starting shooting guard, just because I think it's. Defense is the biggest issue. You have uh, Isaiah Thomas. uh, A lot of the times, want to get him off the primary ball handler because of his defensive issues. Uh, That would mean putting Marcus Smart and Avery Bradley take a lot of responsibility now. So I just I think you would sacrifice too much of that kind of perimeter speed for it to really be feasible long term. It's like something a lineup you can experiment with. I think if you bring in someone like Hayward or Griffin to play along. Uh, Crowder you're basically committing to going small there is no kind of I don't think you can get Hayward and uh, Griffin and then and a five it just doesn't it doesn't make sense to me there
0: yeah that that Gordon thing is is going to be really interesting because do, do they sign him and play him a little bit out of position or do they sign him and put Jay Crowder on the bench or do they sign him and push Jay Crowder to the four and now Horford to the five I don't think Any of those options are great. I think they're all kind of flawed. So, Gordon over Griffin, in some respects, yes. But, man, it's all messy. It's all messy. Okay. At Max Ebenus, if the Celtics decide they really don't have a shot at beating the Cavs, should they seriously consider trading Isaiah Thomas? That is a holy shit question because they got Isaiah for one more year at the best contract in the NBA. There's no way that they could trade him for the value that he is worth because he's paid so little to trade him for somebody that's worth what he's worth. So let's just say they're never going to trade him for Kyrie Irving. But Kyrie Irving makes a ton of money. Or, or any of these guys, like Damian Lillard makes a ton of money. Those guys, to, to, to make a trade for a player at that level, you need to make a trade for a player who makes that level of money. No one else is on a contract like Isaiah's is on. And so f- to trade Isaiah to bring back the level of player to match the talent, you have to send out so much salary that you've ruined a lot of the other plans that you're trying to make. So to me, Isaiah Thomas is essentially untradable for that reason. And I understand the concept in theory, that you've got a guy who's doing all of these things, and maybe he can get you a haul, but he makes like $6.5 million a year. And he's worth almost $20 million a year. And you can't just send him out and bring back a bunch of assets like you think he you would. You have to actually send him and a lot of assets out to bring back what you think. And that ends up being a pretty even trade, so there's no scenario, there's literally none in which I expect the Celtics to trade Isaiah Thomas.
1: Yeah, you have to think about what you would be, what the target is, because I think for stars like Paul George or um, Jimmy Butler, those teams are going to want to rebuild with uh, kind of the young picks or net picks or Jalen Brown. There's not a lot of star for star trades. People in the league don't really need uh, teams in the league don't really need point guards right now. It just there's no imaginable trade that makes sense. Um, and you don't trade a guy who's putting up 30 points a game and is easily your team's most valuable player. It's just I understand that you, you might not be in the in directly challenging for a championship this year, but that doesn't mean you blow it up entirely. I just don't I don't know. I don't see the the logic in that one.
0: Yeah. But no, I get it. I get the logic a little bit, but I, there, there's just nothing. There's nothing that really makes sense. So, the short answer is no. They should not seriously, or unseriously, or in any way consider trading Isaiah Thomas. But continuing with this trading, an established guy, uh, Mason Daly uh, at mace underscore jd. You think Avery Bradley not playing could be a way to keep him healthy for a trade? That's something that I think naturally creeps up. He's got that Achilles injury on the normal uh, – under normal circumstances, I can see a team being very careful with an Achilles injury. Now, he, the, the Celtics are winning. They're two and a half games out of the first seed. They're three games up on – The Washington Wizards now, uh, no, two and a half games up on Washington, who has now snuck into the third seed with Toronto sliding into fourth. I understand that Avery Bradley being hurt and them being cautious might make it seem like, look, be careful. Let's not worry about, let's not risk him being injured in case he aggravates that injury. We want to put him into a trade package. He's a very valuable guy for a win now team. If, let's just pretend, the Los Angeles Clippers decide that they want to get into some sort of Carmelo Anthony talks and Avery Bradley becomes a third team kind of player that slides in and the Celtics can get. Maybe Danny Ainge has a different opinion. Maybe he does like Blake Griffin. I understand that. I understand that mentality. But I, I don't think that's necessarily the reason why he's not playing. I think with an Achilles injury, having had Achilles problems myself, I understand how lingering they can be. They if you're if you do not take care of your Achilles, and if you do not make sure they are 100%, you just don't risk it. And the Celtics came out, and if they beat the Dallas Mavericks, they will have a 3 and one road trip. That is something that they should be happy with, and there is some talk that they could have maybe had Avery Bradley back for that Dallas game. I think they're just being really, really, really careful with him. So I'm not reading too much into it. Although I really do understand why people might think that.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you that I don't, I'm not reading into the the injury into maybe a reason for him trading, but uh, if they do make a trade this year um, and deal away an actual piece, Avery Bradley makes the most sense about kind of anyone to be dealt. I feel like, and this is something that Sam Sheehan um, on Celtics Reddit has, he wrote a long um, post kind of about how Marcus Smart and Isaiah Thomas have been, really surpassed Avery Bradley in the lineup, and maybe we've seen that with how successful the Celtics have been with him out. But in two years, uh, Thomas, Bradley, and Smart's contracts are all up. You're probably only going to pay uh, two of those guys. Uh, Avery Bradley, like you said, he definitely has value on the for a, a contender, uh, so it would make sense if for him to be the deal, maybe package him with some picks, um, but I don't, I don't think it's necessarily him. He is being held out, uh, because of the, uh, cause, cause kind of, if I was a team, I think you'd want to see him be playing and be healthy before you decided to trade for him. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I'm not reading too much into it, but I do, uh, I do buy that if anyone would get traded at kind of out of the core, if Avery Bradley makes the most sense.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think a team, it depends on, I think which team you're trading to. Now, today, the Denver Nuggets traded uh, Yusuf Nurkic to Portland for Plumlee. And so, I, I, would, I was thinking that Denver might be a team that would be looking for a longer-term thing. They might be a team that would look for more Marcus Smart uh, or Jalen Brown in this situation. But looking at the guards, more Marcus Smart. But if we're talking about that uh, fantasy Los Angeles Clippers deal... They want somebody who's more win now. It's Avery Bradley. Of course, that's a guy that Doc Rivers likes. He knows what Avery Bradley's about. So I don't think, like, Doc Rivers would never, I I don't want to say would never, but I think he would prefer Avery Bradley over Marcus Smart, where other teams would prefer, prefer Marcus Smart over Avery Bradley. So it's just a matter of who you're trading to. So, again, I understand the concept of keeping a guy healthy just in case. I just think the Celtics are being very cautious. So, that being said, let's move on. Now we're getting into a series of questions about the Celtics' stashes. A couple of things here. Atti uh, Shepard, can Gershon Yabuselli join the team this season? Contractually, yes. He has the ability... To join the Celtics this season, the, the Chinese league ends before the NBA season ends, and he could, but the the Celtics are maxed out on cap space, uh, on uh, roster spots, so they would have to wave uh, like a James Young to make that happen. So that answers that. I don't I don't think Gershon Yabusele. Will, will join the team. He can, but the Celtics would have to waive somebody to do that. Okay, next question. Patrick's 1591. Do you see Ante Zizic being our starting center next year? If not him, then who? So, Sam, I guess the question here is, have the Celtics next year gotten to a point where they have either traded or drafted or signed somebody where – they need a starting center. We talked about this a couple minutes ago. Do you think Ante Zizic could be the guy that fills that starting center role while everything else kind of plays itself out? I think if all
1: things go extremely well for Ante Zizic's career in the NBA, he could maybe end the year as the the starting center of the Celtics, but I think it would be incredibly kind of reckless and just expecting way too much of the Celtics to, uh, have a guy like be your starting center in his very first year, uh, in the NBA. Um, especially when you're expecting to contend and be very good. I know he's putting up great stats, but it's still in the kind of Euro leagues. It's not, it's not like we have no idea how well he translates to the NBA. So maybe if he plays really well, uh, and after coming over next season, he kind of plays his way into the starting lineup. But I don't think that uh, Danny Ainge wants to head into the season with him being the starting center.
0: Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know what next season will bring. Uh, he seems to be playing very well in Turkey. And I think he'll have an opportunity. He, he's really motivated to come on over. And uh, I think it de- really depends on whether the Celtics really do make a move for that next big star. And a guy like Gabusele or a guy like Zizic, I mean, a starting center, I don't know. But if the Celtics do get a guy to play alongside uh, Al Horford and Isaiah Thomas, and now you've got stars or established core, one, two, three, four, Zizic could be that fifth guy, that center, that we we're talking about that is he what are you gonna do are you gonna go out and get trade for a guy like Biombo? you're gonna get like a search no you're just gonna you're looking for a server serviceable kind of five so i can see a scenario where the celtics have built up uh, enough of a superior core one through four and have confidence in their bench where you can start a guy like Zizic at, at the five so i, I think it's possible uh, at J Bales 96 ask, is it safe to say Jordan Mickey's days as a prospect slash asset are over? Would you like to have him on next year's roster? Uh, Sam, do you want to start on this or?
1: I think it may be Jordan Mickey that his time with the Celtics may be drawing to a, a close. I mean, imagine he may be kept around just in case, but it feels like with, um, Zizic probably coming over with Gershon, possibly coming over. Those guys feel like they have a uh, more upside, and we want to see what they wanna like can do in the NBA. And Jordan Mickey really hasn't shown um, those kind of those flashes. Um, he's that that quadruple A player who can dominate the D League, but doesn't do it in the NBA. So I wouldn't be shocked um, if you know this could be his last season. But so because he's really hasn't shown any. He hasn't taken a step to make him more uh, more of an NBA player
0: yeah I think I think he is going to have an opportunity he's going to go through the summer league and he's going to go through training camp and if he doesn't win a spot halfway through training camp they will cut him and they'll give him a chance to hook on with another team but he's he's not done as of now I think they think highly of him because he does so well in the D-League. I think they just want him to maybe take some steps forward. There's no reason that he couldn't coexist with those guys. No reason why you can't keep him on the bench and have him be a bench player with those guys. But if they don't think he will be a contributor in a 1-10 through capacity, then I think he will go away. So the the answer to the question is it's not safe to say his days as a prospect or asset are over, but I think they are maybe winding down. Okay, let's get to the draft. Questions about the draft, which I think all of my answers are going to be the same, but uh, Brian Mick 617. Uh, I see what you did there with the area code. Fultz for Butler or George? Uh no uh, look if you, if you're saying that if is, is that a trade scenario?
1: I think so. It's basically giving up the number one pick which everyone already assumes is going to be Markel Fultz, even though they only have a 25% chance of getting the pick. I think that's what he's asking.
0: Yeah. Uh, I would okay, look. Paul George is a superstar. Jimmy Butler is a superstar. There have been a lot of guys that people have been going nuts over, even in the past few drafts. Think about the past few drafts and how many guys people have gone, they've lost their minds over. And now they're like, eh, whatever. People lose their minds over college players and then they move on. So if maybe Fultz will be a superstar someday, I don't know. But. For Jimmy Butler or Paul George, for me, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I'll do that because that means that we're winning now, and I'm not waiting for Fultz. I'm not waiting to see what he becomes. So that's my answer.
1: Yeah, I have to agree. You're just you're hoping if you draft Fultz that he turns into someone with the ability of Jimmy Butler and or, or um, Paul George. Also. Uh, if you draft bolts, you have all this kind of guard questions with someone's got to go. Um, I feel like George and Butler kind of make more sense with the core of the Celtics, with that being Thomas and Horford.
0: Yeah, so like it, it just really depends on who wh- what direction the Celtics are going in. But like, look at D'Angelo Russell was supposed to be like the guy. You know, you you got Carl Anthony Towns and the and the Lakers got D'Angelo Russell. And everybody's like, oh wow, the Lakers got Russell. And now people are like, eh, you know, whatever. Is anybody going nuts that the Lakers got Russell? Does anybody think that Russell is gonna lead the Lakers to the promised land? No. So I, guys that come out of college that people lose their goddamn minds over, they don't necessarily translate to the NBA. And then I will say that guys that come out of college that no one gives a shit about, Isaiah Thomas, become stars in the NBA. So nobody knows. And for me, I would rather take the known entity. So if the question is, do I trade this year's number one pick for Paul George? Hell yes. Jimmy Butler, yes. I will work that out. I will work that out because in three or four years, even if Fultz becomes a star, maybe by then we will have won a championship and that makes it all better. So, okay, moving on at Celtics bar fights, ball or Jackson. If the C's don't get the first pick Uh, and who goes, if the Celtics uh, get that top uh, at that top pick, Uh, who goes, if that pick is kept, I, I don't know. I really don't know at this point. I'm not focused on the draft. I'm really not focused on the draft. You guys are much more focused on the draft than me. Let's let's get through March. Let's get through workouts. Let's get through interviews. Let's figure things out. There's so many things that we don't know. We just don't know. So I really do honestly, I'm not trying to be wishy-washy. I really try to move from a position of knowing as much information as possible. So you want to ask me in June who I think we're going to draft? Fine. It's February. I don't know what's going to happen. So I I, I need to see how these guys react under pressure. I need to see how these guys react in the tournament. And Not that I think that the tournament is the thing, but it's pressure, and that tells you a a little bit more about a a player. So I, I just kind of want to see more information.
1: No, I completely agree. The only, I think, college basketball play I've seen this year was Lonzo Ball hitting a deep three against Oregon the other day. But other than that, I have not watched any college basketball. So all the information I have is basically just from when Jay King has interviewed either Kevin O'Connor or Sam Vecini or other people, other draft experts. So I know as much as as the reigning Jays public right now, so I don't think I can even pretend to give an informed opinion about who the Celtics should pick.
0: But even so, like, they're, they're, it's not even that it, – it's, it's more about just kind of, I think, waiting and seeing. Because and, – and from my perspective, my personal perspective, sitting here and saying, am I going to make a call right now on a guy? I'm not comfortable doing that. I'm not comfortable being on record making a call about a guy in February. When I know how this goes in the NBA, I just know that things like Alonzo Ball, like, okay, a lot like when you have a weird jumper like that, when you have some sort of weird, crazy hitch in your game that you succeed in spite of in college, that's a big red flag for me. Uh, When you have a reputation for being kind of lax, that's a big red flag for me because when you can get by on your talent in college, that doesn't necessarily mean you can get by on it in the NBA. So there are guys right now that are doing really, really well in college, but I don't give a shit about their success in college because that does not mean a whole lot for the NBA. You need to look at what is translatable and if you look at somebody with a weird crazy hitch in their jumper is that going to is that going to translate against nba talent so i need to see a guy like that in a maybe combine situation or through some sort of workouts which means that i if i'm a, an agent i'm going to keep him way out of that situation so I, I'm not I'm not really comfortable with a lot of these questions at this point. There are so many unanswered questions that I'm not going to go on record and say this is the guy that's going to be best for, this fu- for the future. That's just not that, – uh, to me, it's not feasible. Okay, well, let, let's run through some more of these. Uh, assuming the Celtics draft Baller Fultz, let's just go with that. Who's the odd man out, Smart, Bradley, or Rozier? What does it mean for Abdel Nader? Uh, if the Celtics – let's just pretend that they draft one of these point guards. Then I think they do have to make a subsequent move and they have to go out and they have to find a, a buyer. That means what, who's the odd man out smart Bradley Rozier. I, uh, it, it depends on whoever is trading for him. So at Patrick's 1591, uh, it just, to me, depends on who's trading for him. I don't think that affects Abdel Nader at all.
1: No, Abdel Nader is kind of the, the backup wing he's not a he's not a guard at all uh really so i don't think maybe he'll get a shot uh next year if if gerald green doesn't uh kind of come back but i i think uh bradley may be the odd man out just for the kind of the mentioned the things we mentioned earlier he kind of is the most the guy who would make the most sense to be traded just because of all their contracts but i know it's it's really dependent on the on kind of what what's being offered
0: Okay, so that covers the draft. Let's get into some weird hypotheticals. If Isaiah Thomas wasn't on the roster, asks at NLGram1, <laughs> well, I don't know why you would want to know the answer to this, but would they make the playoffs? Um, I will say that they would because I think even without Isaiah Thomas, the Celtics are better than the Detroit Pistons. Or at least as good as the Charlotte Hornets, and the Charlotte Hornets are a game away, and so I think I think even without Isaiah Thomas, with Marcus Smart as your point guard and Terry Rozier backing you up, I think they are at least a fighting for the eighth seed kind of team.
1: Yeah, no, if, if I mean they wouldn't have the the kind of star power, but and, and definitely their scoring would take a. Take a hit, but I feel like they'd be one of the, the scrappiest teams in the league. And the defense, we everyone talks about how to kind of the team's defense is better when Isaiah's not on the court. So, well if you expand that out for the entire season, and you just, you're starting Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, Horford, and Amir Johnson, I think that would be a pretty pretty solid defensive team. Uh, and I so I think they would be able to scrap around, and they would be right in the right in the thick of things. I mean for Right now, the Miami Heat, who just went on the craziest winning streak of a, a bottom feeder team in, in a while, they're only a game and a half out. So I think they'd be right in the mix of that Bulls, Pistons, Hornets, Heat, Bucks, just kind of the the East mediocrity. But they have Isaiah Thomas, so and he's scoring thirty points a game. So that's the reason why they're the second seed in the East. It's a good thing we don't actually have to see uh, what would happen.
0: Right at Fun Ben One Two Three. I really like that Twitter handle. Fun Ben one two three. Are the Celtics a lock for the top four? I just booked flights from Boston uh, to Boston from Australia for round one. Uh, dates I'm assuming are games one and two in Boston. Ben, have fun in Boston. They are a lock for the top four. Yeah, I no, th- I think. The
1: so basically they would have to get leapfrog right now by the Wizards, Raptors, and the Hawks. Um, and I can see no a situation way. where the maybe one of these those teams um, do it. The Wizards are playing great basketball lately. Um, I mean, the Raptors, if they get back to form, uh, could kind of could kind of do that. But I just don't see a situation when all three of those teams would uh, all of a sudden get. Just play that much better in this, like the last half of the season than the Celtics. So, Ben, welcome. Uh, have a great time in Boston, and uh, um, I think you're good with those tickets.
0: Yeah, look, the, I'll I'll put it to you this way: the Wizards are nine and fourteen on the road, so they've played a very home-heavy. They've played a weak schedule this month. They're on fire, sure, but I think they're going to come back down to earth. So, I agree book those boston hotel rooms baby okay uh at nick packard um any, <laughs> any relation uh direct uh older brother <laughs> older brother nick packard asks or not not even asks fact he says if you aren't taking your free throws underhanded you really don't care about winning at nick packard <laughs>
1: Story behind this tweet, he texted me that exact phrase and said, you need to talk about this on the next podcast. And I said, if you want me to talk about this on the next podcast, you better tweet it at me and use rating J's. Um, <laughs> I, think he's absolutely, I think he's absolutely right. If you're a guy like a DeAndre Jordan who's struggling uh, shooting like 55% and you don't try the, the kind of grandma style, you're not a, you're not a winner and you're not on my team. I don't care about the embarrassment. It works.
0: I, I will do anything. Look, guys will sit there and tell you, I will do anything to win. If you're shooting 50% or less from the, the free throw line, and you are saying, I will do anything to win, then you better be willing to try those underhanded free throws. There's no shame in that game. If you can do it, if you can perfect it, just put it in there, man. All you got to do is put it in the hole. It's like the uh, happy Gilmore. You're too good for your home? <laughs> just go just home. Just go home. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, other notes as we wrap up the show. Uh, Nurkic and a first-rounder went to Portland for Plumlee. Your thoughts, Sam Packard?
1: I was shocked that the, the Nuggets had to throw in a first-rounder, too, just to get like Nurkic off the team. I would have thought that – it seems like they're playing too much just for Miles Plumley. I know Portland people are, they would love Miles Plumley and talk about how he has this triple double potential, but I just don't make, it just doesn't make any sense to me why the uh, additional first rounder had to be added. Maybe I'm just kind of had a poor read on the market, but I was very shocked to see that.
0: I was also shocked. I thought it would have been the other way around, but apparently the thought is that uh, Nurkic is not. As good as I think he is. I think he can be really good. And I think for Portland. Look you get out of having to pay Plumley All of that money. Because he's going to be paid a lot of money. You get Nurkic. And a first rounder. And now they've got three first rounders. In this draft. It's a pretty nice position to be in for Portland. And considering how their season has gone. To have McCollum. Lillard. Now Nurkic. And look, as people as much as people want to get down on guys like Alan Crabb and Myers Leonard, I know you're not a Myers Leonard kind of guy. It's fine. I think those guys can be solid. I think I think a lot of it has to do with the money. When you when you get paid a ton of money, you have a lot of pressure on you. But once you can get past that, and I think this might be a lost season for them, but you you add a bunch of young players to, a I think, a very talented core. I think Portland is due for a bounce back next year. So I love this trade for Portland. You, get, you, you avoid the tax. You avoid having to pay Plumlee all that money. You get a really, really solid, I think, solid center, uh, a good starting center, I think, for the future. I think he's better than a lot of people think, and you put him in a good situation like this, He'll be okay. So um, good for the Blazers. I I like the Blazers. I think the Blazers are one of those teams in the NBA that I can't possibly dislike. It's like them, the Spurs. It's nothing to hate. Uh, Okay, last thing on this list, KD and the cupcake. KD the cupcake goes back to OKC. Man, what an anticlimactic mess that was. I mean, I – the fans in Oklahoma City can do what they want, but I really want the fans in Oklahoma City to understand that you stole the Seattle Sonics and to be pissed off that KD left when you stole another city's team? That's irony. I think there's a little bit of comeuppance here, and I love OKC fans, I think you're great. Uh, I think uh, there's nothing nothing to dislike about Oklahoma City, but you all got to understand that you really are the beneficiary of Clay Bennett and Stern screwing over the city of Seattle and taking the Sonics away. So when a superstar decides he's going to leave your city, you really can't be that pissed off. You really can't. I mean, you can, but you got to understand history and know your place.
1: Yeah, no, I, it was it was just a, uh, it was disappointing in the game. Um, but it was just amusing the kind of the coordination of uh, of hate the Oklahoma City had with the with the cupcake stuff. Uh, I saw, like, a thing at the Buffalo Wild Wings in Oklahoma City where they, like, taped his jersey to the ground and said, like, wipe your feet here. Uh, just uh, all-around good stuff. Uh, uh, Andre Ro- Roberson getting into it with him. Um, but I really, the thing I really liked was uh, Steph and Draymond taking the cupcake shirts and then wearing them during their post-games. <laughs> that was awesome. That's just ultimate that was great. beef. And that's what made it uh, just amazing for me. So I, I really wanted to bring that up because that's – that's exactly how you handle that situation. That's hilarious.
0: Yes, that is good. That is good. You go out there, you you beat their ass and then you you wear the cupcake shirts. I think that's the exact way to handle it. And, and as much as I I like Russell Westbrook, I think showing up in that Beeman jersey and then going out and dropping 11 turnovers. Come on. So, uh All right. That's a good show. I think it's a place to, I think we're in a good place to stop this show. That was a a long, thank you, uh, a long show. Thank you, everybody, for your questions with the hashtag Rain and Jays. Thanks, everybody, for listening on a regular basis, Monday through Friday. We're here for you on a daily basis so you can put us on in the car to work, from work, at work. I don't care if you listen to us at work. That's fine. We're cool with that. You know, just, I, I won't tell your boss if you don't say anything. So subscribe if you haven't subscribed, if you've joined us somehow through some link or through some friends. Thank that friend because they did you a favor. And spread the gospel because we're a really good show. And rate us five stars to prove that. So uh, we're back after the... Uh, what? Yeah, that's Monday. Yeah, we're back after the Mavericks game. And hopefully the Celtics can polish off this road trip with a win and, and continue their march towards maybe the top seed, they're going to play the Cavaliers, maybe the Celtics play the Cavaliers in March for the top seed. If they do, we'll talk about it here on the Locked On Celtics podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah.
1: J. King and John Corrales. Locked On Celtics.